Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Well, are you ready to dive into the Word this morning? I am too. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read one of Jesus' favourite and famous um, parables. And it's the parable of the wise and foolish builders. So we're going to pick up the, uh, the story in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And this is what it says. Jesus is speaking and he says, Therefore... Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. I also want to share another verse which will help us this morning found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and it's verse 17 and 18. It's one of my favourites. And it finds its way into so many of my sermons. I don't know how, it's just always there, but it's just so relevant for so many things. And this is what it says. It says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we're being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I want to share a message with you this morning that I've titled Subterranean. I know, sounded like a movie title, I went with it, right? Subterranean. I don't know how to spell it, you're just going to, if you're taking handwritten notes, just scribble it and, uh, you know, hopefully you remember what the word means, but subterranean. Let's pray, ask for God's help this morning as we come around these scriptures. So Jesus, we do, we just open up our hearts. We've come this morning with faith. God, we've come this morning with expectancy. We've come this morning wanting to receive from Your Word. We wanted to receive from You, Jesus. And I pray that every single person whose heart is open, who desires, God, to be transformed into Your image, would experience that this morning as they contemplate You. And I pray, Jesus, that You would use these Scriptures and and this morning's message, God, to stir our hearts to see You as You really are. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Amen. We live in a world that is uh, obsessed with appearances, obsessed with appearances, how things look, right? Um, I'm a a bit of an F1 fan. Anyone out there a bit of an F1 fan? Now, um, apart from maybe Toby, who is definitely a bigger F1 fan than me, um, I like to think of myself as a bit of an OG F1 fan, you know, before Drive to Survive, right? Um, I I got into F1 when my auntie bought me the... uh, the autobiography of Lewis Hamilton. So he's my guy. Some of you guys hate, are hating on Lewis Hamilton right now, but that's because you're newcomers, right? <laughs> he was the man for years and years, right? And, uh, and I love F1. And one of the most amazing things about this sport is that it's literally a global sport. It takes place 
And the races take place in all these amazing places. Um, you know, just this year, we've already seen a race in Azerbaijan, right? <laughs> Azerbaijan. It's harder to say, yeah, than you think. But this, this race takes place on this street circuit and it's literally weaving through ancient castles and these places that have been around for centuries. And it is absolutely amazing. Another amazing race is, uh, is the race in Monaco. Uh, which is a small country in Europe. And I had the, the, when I was younger, I got to go over there. I walked the entire F1 track with my brother in Monaco. And it's, it's amazing. It goes past this marina and all these super yachts get there. It's incredible, right? And as, as F1 has become more popular in recent years, America has become a real uh, hotspot of interest for this sport. And so they have a Grand Prix in uh, Miami now. And Miami... You know, it's a beautiful place. It's got a lot going for it. But it looks at some of these other, these other cities and it says, you know what we don't have? A marina. You know what we should have? A marina. So I want to show you a photo of the Miami Race Track Marina. Look at that with the boats there. It's amazing. It's so incredible. All those boats are there. Now, what you may not be able to tell from this distance is that while from a distance it looks good, when you get up close, it's not a marina at all. Let's go to the next photo here. <laughs> it's a fake marina. Now, I don't want to throw too much shade on Miami. Love the place. <laughs> but let's just say it copped a little bit of a flogging on social media as it uh, you know, showed the world its exciting marina that wasn't really a marina. But, you know, there's things that look good from a distance. When you get up close, they lack substance. And... Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tempting in our day and age, we can take the, the photo down, it's tempting in our day, day and age to be all consumed with our appearance, to be all focused on what is seen and what others can, you know, observe about our lives and, you know, to add fuel to the fire. A number of years ago, a little thing called social media comes along, which is literally a tool to do that. It's a tool to appear a certain way or to show a certain life or to be able to present yourself in a way that you think is ideal. You know, and what's amazing is our culture is, is celebrating that and encouraging that. And as a culture, you know, we're encouraged that if you look good, you are good. The best thing you can do is appear and, 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 and seem to the outside world like you've got it all together. It rewards that, you know, through our social media. People who present well get followers and after getting followers, they get deals to, to, to advertise. And we see this whole industry that has come up now where there's people out there who have huge levels of influence in our society, but very little credibility, very little substance, sometimes no more than their opinions and their platform. You know, not as much peer review goes on, not, not as many people challenging ideas. It's amazing how this seen aspect of our lives is so honoured and recognised in our culture. You know, the truth is, though, that while culture honours, you know, celebrating and, and, and putting forward an appearance, it's really masking a deeper brokenness in our society. We have record levels of mental illness, of brokenness and depression, of loneliness in our world. And it's interesting how, you know, people can look so good on the outside, but under the surface, in the inner workings of their heart, in the inner workings of our heart, we can feel broken. We can feel 
you know, like something's missing. And it's very easy, even in our area here in the Sutherland Shire, I don't know where you're joining from online, but it's very easy in our Australian culture to want to have it all together, to look good and to, you know, catch up with old mates and boast about the things that are working for you and hide those things that are not always the best. But when we welcome God into our lives, we experience something very different. You see, God looks beyond the image that we present and He looks at our heart. You know, just this last week in our Bible reading plan, we've been reading the book of Samuel. And, uh, you know, in Samuel 16, where he anoints David, it's amazing because Samuel gets sent to this guy, Jesse, and he says one of his sons is going to be king. And so Samuel rocks up and sees the first son and thinks, look at this guy, tall, handsome, warrior, king material. This this has got to be it. But God literally responds to him and says, no, 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 Samuel. You look at the outward appearance. Man looks at the outward appearance, but that's not how God judges. Man looks at the outward appearance, but it says God looks at the heart. We see this in Jesus' life, in his interactions with people. People present all sorts of different ways in our world. And the truth is that, you know, we aren't God and we can't see uh, what we can't see. Often we only have to judge based on what is presented to us. But this is the beautiful thing about God is he can see past that into the heart. And we see Jesus both with people who on the outside look like they've got it all together. The religious people, the Pharisees who were the ones that the rest of the community said, wow, they are holy. You know, Jesus sees that, but he also sees past that. And he actually says, no, no, no. You guys are like whitewashed tombs. On the outside, you're looking fresh, but on the inside, you're dead. On the inside, there's bones. He says, no, first clean the inside of the cup and then the outside of the cup will be clean. He sees past the behaviour to the heart. And equally, we see Jesus super comfortable with tax collectors, sinners, prostitutes, those of low repute. And he's there having meals with these people. And the religious people are saying, do you know who they are? And interestingly, out of the two people in that conversation, Jesus is the one who does. And instead of seeing their behaviours, instead of judging them by their um, actions and, and, and looking at what they do, he looks past that and he says, I have come to seek and save the lost. It's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. And he sees people with hearts that are hungry for something that would sustain them, something that would heal them. We see God in in Scripture time and time again prioritise the unseen, prioritise that which no one else is aware of and He goes there. We see Jesus honour the the widow who gives two mites and He literally stops His his disciples and says, come here, come here, look at this lady. She gets two tiny copper coins. Wow. These people, they gave out of their surplus, but she gave everything she had. He could see that in her heart was this trust. In this heart was, she put everything she had to live off. He's saying, this is a woman who knows her Father in heaven. This is a woman who isn't trusting in her own wealth, but is saying, God, my, my life is in your hands. And he honoured it. You know, uh, we, I mean, we could go on and on. We've got the brothers that come to Jesus and they're like, uh, you know, they're arguing and he's like, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, nothing, right? And they're, they're arguing basically about who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus is like, well, you want to know something? If you want to be great, you have to actually become least. Whoever wants to be first actually has to become the servant to all. He starts addressing the internal issue that they had rather than dealing with the surface level uh, image that they were presenting. And interestingly, we see it through Scripture it's still the same way that God works today in our lives. Think about your own life. 
Um, I don't know about you, if you can remember the moment of your salvation, the moment where faith ignited in your heart. Maybe for you this morning, you never had that moment, but you can sense your heart sort of stirring as we're talking and as you're hearing the worship and, you know, as you're hearing these words and you're sort of like, maybe there's something in this. I don't know if you remember your moment of salvation. I do. I remember my heart racing and just thinking, I'm going to give God a go. As a teenager and someone just like what I'm doing now is sharing a message about Jesus. I don't remember the details, but I just remember thinking, I'm going to give God a go. I'm going to give God a go. I'm going to give God a go. I put my hand up and, you know, I prayed a prayer and I just said yes to God. And I love how in that moment, there's literally nothing that I had done or, you know, any mistake I'd made that stopped the love of God embracing me. He accepted me exactly as I was. All my brokenness, all my failures. I didn't know much about Him. I didn't have an understanding of my theology. I didn't know why opening up my heart to Jesus would transform me from the inside out. I just said yes. And I love how the first thing our Heavenly Father does when we come to Him is embrace us as we are, hugs us, welcomes us in. You know, He just says, yes, come. I love the story in Luke 15 about the prodigal son who returns to his father and he's embraced when he comes back. And then it goes on and they have this massive party and Jesus uses this story to explain there is more rejoicing in heaven (laughs) when one sinner comes back to their father in heaven right, then then for everyone who already knows God, it is a party. And I just remember that sense of heaven rejoicing that I had come into relationship with my father. It's like God put a robe on my shoulders. It's like he put a ring on my finger. He started to call me his son. John 1 verse 12 says, those who believe in him have the right to be called sons and daughters of God. He started to call me his son. It's like, wow, right? And then I, you know, like, let's just go with the analogy for a second. After a massive party celebrating the goodness and the love of God, unconditional love of God, you know, party winds down, you get welcomed into where you're having a sleep and you walk into a beautiful environment, the house of God, and you find yourself having the best sleep of your life. Through the night, you're just, you know, uninterrupted, no kids getting up asking for milk, nothing, right? You're just like resting, enjoying yourself. You wake up, the smell of breakfast. I was going to say bacon and eggs, but very un-Jewish thought. So <laughs> the, smell of, the, the smell of breakfast would be just there and, you come out and it's amazing because the goodness of God's like that. He welcomes you into his family. Hey, come along to church, get to know some people, be a part of a life group. And it's like this warm embrace. It's like the community is part of the story. And you are just like, wow. It's interesting. You have this meal with God. <laughs> and you get to this point where, you know, God's, God's you know, finishing the meal. You're finishing your meal. He's like, you ready? And you're like, Yeah. What for? And while he's putting on his work boots <laughs> and grabbing some high vis, you know, to put over his shoulders, throws you a hard hat and he goes, let's go. Let's get to work. And he walks you out and begins to do some work in those unseen areas of your life. And he begins to, as when this story is shared in Luke chapter 6, he used this beautiful phrase. Let me read it to you. It says, in Luke chapter 6, it says, he begins digging down deep and laying the foundations on the rock. And it's interesting that quickly after we experience Jesus as Saviour and we experience the unconditional love of God, we now come into contact with God the builder, God the excavator, God the pile driver, right? And he starts to dig down deep. And he starts to dig down deep into the unseen areas of our life. Now, 
This can be a challenge to us as believers because sometimes what we think is we think, well, what I really want God to do in my life is sort of spruce things up a bit. I want to experience some of that blessing that I've heard about. I want to see the barns overflowing, right? I want to see, like Carl was saying, you know, I want to see my vats, you know, spilling over. I want to see that. Maybe I want the job promotion. I want to see God's hand of blessing and favour on my life. I want, I, want a, I want a lovely Christian lady. You know, I'm like, whatever it is that people start to think that that's what they're looking for. But it's almost like God has this preoccupation, not necessarily, or not firstly, I should say, with the seen, but firstly with the unseen. Does He deeply value and care about the seen? Yes, of course. But God will never give you something in the seen that the work hasn't been done to sustain in the unseen. And so he starts getting to work in this unseen parts of our life. And, he, and what he does is he addresses the issues of the heart. Now, probably the most, for me, powerful thing about this parable is its context. Because what this, where, where this parable is shared is literally, the, it is the final thought of Jesus' longest, uh, you know, single teaching moment, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7 is literally Jesus laying out what it is to be a believer, what it is to follow His way, what it is to be truly human. And after talking and talking and talking about this new way of living, He uses this uh, parable to make a point. He says, I've shared some things with you. Now it's up to you to choose whether or not you are going to take what I have shared and apply them to your life. Whether or not you are going to begin the journey of discipleship, whether, you, whether or not you're going to allow me to bring about transformation in your life. Because renewal is just the beginning. Our salvation moment is just the beginning. What God does from that moment is He breathes on us. And we, the Bible says that we are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. But this moment is a moment where we now go on a journey of transformation to become like Christ. And the areas where I have found God put His finger most and He says, that's not like Christ. That area is out of alignment with Christ. That's not the way that God works, are the areas that are unseen. And we're good. We're good at presenting. We're good at sharing and looking good in front of other people. But for me, it's constantly been that area of like, hey, Tim, you know, you're holding on to some anger there. (laughs) Well, what did he talk about in the Sermon on the Mount? You know what? What's amazing about the Sermon on the Mount is it starts with the Beatitudes, which are these like, statements, just declarations, and so many of them are so countercultural, right? And they, they, they're these statements. And then it goes on to talk about this new way of living. Now, I want you to understand this because this is going to help us. The Sermon on the Mount is less about behaviour and the seen and more about the unseen. What Jesus does is He takes what everyone had used as sort of a scale, you know, thou shalt not murder. And He says, okay, you might be here and you haven't murdered, in the seen realm, you know, you're all good. Tick. I've done that, that, you know, that command. But he says, what I say to you is this. Anyone who hates someone in their heart has already committed murder in their heart. Goes past the seen into the unseen. And he says, look, you know not to commit adultery. And look, a lot of you, got, a lot of you people here, you haven't committed adultery. But I say to you, if anyone has looked lustfully upon another in their heart, They've already committed adultery with that person. And he starts to address the root issue of the seen problem. And he doesn't, and this is why at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, I think it says that they were amazed because he taught as one with authority, not like their teachers of the law, who it seems 
And we do read when Jesus challenges the Pharisees, you lay a a yoke and a burden on these people that you yourself can't even fulfill. They were teaching a way of behaving, a way of living, hoping that that would get God's attention and that that would be restored into that right covenant relationship that they were believing for. But Jesus says, no, 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 I'm going to go a level deeper and I'm actually going to not talk about the behaviour, I'm going to talk about the heart behind it. And the Sermon on the Mount just goes through thing after thing after thing. Talks about unforgiveness, talks about anger, talks about lust in your heart, talks about hypocrisy, talks about identity and trust. You know, it talks about our, our trust in money. It talks about literally so many things that are seen, but it goes to a new level. And what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount is He doesn't just give us a new set of rules to live by or a new set of behaviours. He actually defines a new way to live. And he basically is like saying, this is what it is to be truly human. Because we read in that other verse we shared, 2 Corinthians 3, that we are being transformed with ever-increasing glory into his image, right? The goal for God in our lives is that we will be transformed into his image. I just want to take a side note here for a quick sec. And um, sometimes what we... What I, I will say, sometimes what I imagined, and this really helped me, or what we sort of think, is sometimes we think the true us is like the broken us, right? And then by the grace and the goodness of God, He has come. And even though I'm a mess, He still loved me, still accepted me, and now He's going to take my mess and He's going to create something good out of it. And little by little, maybe I can become a little bit like Christ. But I want you to know that the start of our story is not brokenness. Do you know, becoming like Christ is not becoming something that is like beyond what's possible. Becoming like Christ is actually returning to our true self. It's becoming like we were created to become. Because we're not like broken and then God's like, let me see what I can do with this broken person and see if I can get him halfway to being a good person. He's like, no, the Bible says Genesis 1, literally the first chapter of the Bible that in our image we will create them. That that, that mankind is created in the image of God, male and female, He created them. We are, our beginning is the image of God. You want to know what it is to truly flourish, to be fully alive, to be human as it was intended to be, is to be like Christ. But who knows, (laughs) difficulties of life, you know, generational mindsets, sin that so easily entangles, Paul says, decisions, culture, you know, the, the, the reality of our world, it almost starts to pile on top of the image of Christ and distorts the views, it distorts, distorts who we truly are. And what happens is we come to this place where we are in God's presence and He says, hey, I'm actually going to start to drill through all those things that have come between you and me and I'm going to help you discover your true self. When 2 Corinthians 5 talks about reconciliation, that He has reconciled us to Himself through Christ and He has given us the ministry of reconciliation, you know what it's actually, that word, what it actually means is a return to favour. It is a return. So this is what I want to say, right? We're talking about discipleship. We're talking about transformation. The more you are transformed little by little, into the image of Christ, the more you are becoming your true self. And the more you will start to flourish and thrive, and the more that the alignment of your life and God's you know, uh, life lines up, 
the more you start to feel free, the more you start to operate as you intended to operate, the more you flourish in life. And what I've discovered is that God cares so much about you experiencing life and life to the full, as He says in John 10.10, that He is committed to this alignment more so than, or or should I say, um, primarily before your appearance, your leadership opportunities, you know, your accolades from man. God is like, I want to do some work in your heart so that you can fully be free. Process isn't always easy. I might ask the keys to come back up now. And, uh, you know, for some people, (laughs) there's a lot of dirt (laughs) between, you know, where your life is and, and the bedrock of Christ. And there's a lot that's happened. And I'll never forget um, this one young adult guy that I was discipling. And he'd been a Christian for about five years. And I'd watched this guy. He had given himself to God. Beautiful, beautiful man of God, right? He came from a really difficult family situation, really complex. And basically, I see, I see him every week in church. He did Bible college. He... He was in a life group. He was serving. He had this beautiful heart. And I remember about five years in having this really tough convo with him because he was, he, he was feeling a little bit discouraged. And he's like, Tim, I just, I feel like I'm dealing with stuff that other people don't have to deal with. I feel like I've been walking with God for so long, but still there's this brokenness from my past that just keeps being present in my life. And he's like, it's like I'm angry. I feel angry at God. I feel angry at my father who had sort of been a part of this painful journey for him. And he's like, everything I experienced as a kid, it's like it's holding me back. I remember just like going, God, what what do I say to somebody whose heart is for you, doing everything to seek you and to be shaped by you? How do I encourage this person? And I remember just realising we had this basically a discussion that just says, man, What's happening in your life right now, it might not look very good to other people. One of his challenges is he says, there's all these other people, they got saved after me and it's almost like they're flying in life. And here I am still dealing with stuff from my past that seems to have a hold on me for so long. And I remember just encouraging him and saying, man, we need to redefine success here. Because sometimes we think success is what other people recognise, celebrate and can see. But I'm like, bro, success for you might be trusting God enough to allow Him to keep digging, keep digging, keep digging, and keep digging, and then dig some more all the way down until this is truly resolved. Because He doesn't want you to just look good. He wants you to be good. He doesn't want you to just seem like you've got it all together. He actually wants you to be stable and have it all together. And you've been through a lot. And I, and I honestly believe, I'm like, bro, if you don't do this work, all we end up doing is passing it on to the next generation. And to be honest, his, his father wasn't a bad person. It was just somebody who had not known Jesus and had not been able to be healed. Does that make sense? And so he now inherited this brokenness. And interestingly, I just, I just you know, encourage him that, bro, this is worth it. If this is all you do in your life, is be healed from some of these things. This is worth it because you know what? The next generation, they're going to have something that they can run with. Maybe success for you isn't you being recognised. Maybe it's your kids being recognised. You know, and he's got a brother. And unfortunately, his brother 
doesn't know the Lord. And it's a really stark comparison. I'm like, bro, you've had a hard five years, but you know, his brother um, sort of in and out of jail. He's got a, a child that he doesn't get to see anymore. And I'm like, he's a good person, but the work of God, which is so difficult, is creating a new story for your family. And I just wanted to encourage someone here. You might, be, you might have been a Christian for five, 10, 20 years, and it's almost like, God, when are you gonna move on from these deeper issues of the heart? And God's like, never, because my desire is for your freedom. You know, the verse before um, 2 Corinthians 3.18 is this. It says that the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's what He really wants in your life. And so finally, I just wanna ask us this question. If, if we are transformed into His image by contemplating Him, how do we contemplate Him? How do we allow God to do what He wants to do in our life? And you know, there's some really practical things that we can do. We see Him in His Word. We see Him in Scripture. You know, your devotional life isn't a waste of time. Even if every day you don't have some wild revelation, even if you're not a preacher who's ever gonna take it and share a message, when you get the Word of God into your heart and you see Him as He really is, this amazing miracle takes place and you start to be transformed. And your life slowly but surely comes into alignment with Him. And when it does that, all of a sudden, this is when God can start to build now on the same area of your life. You know, you might not be much of a reader. You might be new to faith. You might be somebody who doesn't have a devotional life. Do you know church attendance, regular church attendance is one of the most profound things you can do as a follower of Jesus. Do you know, I often say to people who come and go and they're here and then for a couple of months they check in. I'm like, man, if you did nothing but commit every single week to be in church under anointed worship as we sing these words to glorify God, take our eyes off ourselves and lift up our eyes up to Him. As you hear preaching that helps you to see Jesus as He really is and see how He can work in your life. If you simply are in that environment, you watch over the course of 52 weeks, you might not have known what He did in one week. It might not have felt that big the other week. Each week, it's almost like you don't see, but when you look back over a year of being in an environment of faith where people are encouraging you and they're explaining to you who He is and you see Him as He truly is, you look back and you go, I'm a different person. Life group. Deb will love this one. <laughs> Life groups, you know, some people are like, oh, I'll get to it one day. Do you know, I am always surprised every time I went to Life Group, especially those times when you're like, oh, no, nah, I think I'll just do a Netflix night tonight and not feeling as well. See you next week, see you next fortnight. Every time I go and people are sharing testimony about God in their life, people are praying for needs, people are asking me about my faith, people are opening up the Word of God and we're discussing it. I leave that place and it's like I can see Him more clearly. And do you want to know what discipleship, I think, is in its essence, is removing anything that stops us seeing Him and teaching us everything that, help, that reveals Him. And there are things in our life that we believe that are not from God. And through this process of study and fellowship and you know, being around people who can help encourage you, we see Him more clearly. And the more clearly you see Him, the more you'll be transformed into His image. I'd love to just to pray for some people. And if I could just ask wherever you are, just for you to close your eyes. Maybe bow your heads. And, you know, I ask you to do this just so that you can have a moment's privacy and so that you can focus. Because even though we're in this corporate environment, I honestly believe that 
The Holy Spirit is at work in every single heart. That's the beautiful thing. I can preach a general message about having to dig through dirt, but the Holy Spirit, He'll put His finger on the very thing that He wants to establish in your life. And He'll be like, hey, for you, it's trust. For you, it's humility. For you, it's your sense of identity or your sense of worth. Whatever it is that God wants to do in your heart, in that unseen place, right now, my encouragement is that you would welcome Him to do whatever work He wants to do. Do I believe this? God, God never does anything to harm us. And sometimes we avoid these deeper areas of our life with God because we don't want to go there. God will never bring something up to cause to, to uh, harm you or to you know, put you through something that is not going to be helpful to you. He will do what He does because He cares about you. And while the promise is that He won't harm you, the promise isn't that it won't be difficult, that it won't be at times painful or frustrating, or that it won't feel like you're just, you know, you're going around the same mountain again and again. And if you would honestly believe, just say, God, that's going to be my focus, the unseen. You let go of trying to be and have it all together and impress other people with what you are and, you know, and you just say, God, this, this year, this, these next weeks, these next months, I just want to go on a journey where you do a work in my heart that no one else knows about, no one else sees. And I honestly believe the Holy Spirit, because of His kindness and goodness, will at the right time, in the right way, just dive a little deeper, dive a little deeper. And this amazing thing happens. We don't have time to talk a lot about it, but when you hit the bedrock, this engineering feat takes place and it's called the transfer of weight. And whatever is built upon those foundations, no matter how high it is, the weight is actually carried by the bedrock. And I just believe that for some people, you've been trying to get ahead in life, trying to make a way, trying to be something. But what God is saying, He says, no, you just worry about getting to me. You just worry about bringing to me your, 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 yourself. You just come to me as you are and let me do the work that I want to do. And as you dig, as you apply my teaching and as you follow my Holy Spirit and as you say yes to discipleship and as you lean into environments that help you see me as I truly am, you are going to find that you're going to be established on me. And when you see Him as He truly is, the transformation is a work of God. And then God can confidently <laughs> give you success. You know why? Because He knows that success isn't going to rob your eyes from Him. He can confidently bless you with finances. Why? Because He knows that your security isn't in finances. It's amazing how when you have a life established in God and these things that other people live for no longer have a hold on you, God's able to let it flow. It's easy for Him to let it flow, but God will never give you something that will hurt you. And this is why He wants to do the work below the surface. So right now, that's why eyes are closed. I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. It's for anyone in the room. And then I'm going to specifically, a second prayer for anyone in the room who, you know, for you, you're, you're distant from God and you want to say yes to God. But to begin with, if this morning, as I've been preaching, you can just sense the Holy Spirit just putting His finger on some areas of your life that, no one else may know about, but you know are out of alignment. You know there's things in your life that have become your God. You know there's things in your life that have started to grip you and they've, they've captured your heart. And God is saying, hey, come on, bring it to me. I want you to just open up your heart, even open up your hands right now as I pray. 
Or maybe for you, it's, it's the willingness to yield, to say, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna commit myself to go with you on this journey of the work in my heart. And so with every eye closed right now, would you just open up your hearts and hands to God? Lord, I just thank You that You've brought us into this room to be encouraged in a very simple discipleship message about trusting You in the unseen areas of our life. And I pray right now, Jesus, that You would give us the strength to say yes. Lord, that You would help us to say yes to the work of God in the unseen areas of our life. And Lord, we welcome You into every area of our heart. Lord, we lay down our idols. We lay down those things that have become our God. We lay down those things that have consumed our attention. We lay down old patterns of thinking. We lay down unforgiveness. We lay down brokenness. We lay down all of those things that are not from You. And we say, Holy Spirit, would You do the work that I know You're so desperate to do in my life and restore me to my true self. Help me to become like Christ. I just pray Your blessing over everyone who this morning in their heart is opening up their lives to You. Thank You, Jesus. And just finally, if you're in the room and you know, you've been hearing a guy right now talk about Jesus as if you can talk to Him, you can know Him, you can be in a relationship with Him. And you're sitting there thinking, man, I don't have that. I, I, I don't know what it is to walk closely with God. Well, do you know what? God loves you so much. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And you're not defined by your brokenness. You're not defined by the things that you've done or the mistakes that you've made or your behaviours. You know why? Because God sees through the appearance, through the behaviours, and He looks at the heart. And He created you as His son, as His daughter. And yes, things have gotten in the way. Yes, a life has been lived that maybe isn't God's best. And you're finding yourself distant from God. But God loved you so much, the Bible says, that He gave His one and only Son so that whoever believes in Him would not perish, would not come down with a crash. Life would not destroy them, but that they would have everlasting life. And even when the storms come and the winds rage and the streams rise, that you will find yourself on a solid foundation because of the work of God. With every eye closed right now, if you're in the room and right now you've either never opened up your heart to Jesus or if you're honest with yourself, you're distant from God and you feel Him saying, open up your heart, it's time to come back. I just wanna pray for you. I just wanna pray with you. So what we're gonna do right now is I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer, inviting Jesus to be Lord of our life, to receive what He has done for us. And the Bible says, as I shared earlier, that all who call upon the Name of the Lord shall be saved, that the old is gone, the new has come and you are gonna be a new creation. And then God's gonna get to work doing some deep things in your heart. So church, can we all pray this prayer with those who this morning are praying it either for the first time or praying it with faith to come back into a relationship with God so that they're not alone. We'd love you to repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I know that you love me and that you gave your life up for me. This morning, I give my life back to you. I thank You that You died on the cross to forgive my sin. And You rose again to give me everlasting life. And today, I declare You my Lord and Saviour. From this day forward, walk with me, talk to me, and live in me, in Jesus' Name. That's why eyes are closed. If this morning when you prayed that prayer, you know that you crossed the line in your heart, you know that that prayer meant something to you, that it was the beginning of a brand new journey with God, I just wanna pray God's blessing over you. Would you just give me a quick wave right now, wherever you are, if that was you, you prayed that prayer and you know that that prayer 
it meant something to you. That prayer, maybe for the first time, you've prayed this prayer and you've said yes to Jesus. You've opened up your heart to Him. Great. Or maybe you've been distant from God, but you know this morning that God has called you home and you're like that son who has come back to the Father and you are ready. If that's you, wherever you're at, why don't you just give us a wave? Beautiful. Anyone else right now? You know that this moment is a moment that is significant. If that's you, why don't you just reach out to God? Amazing. Well, God, I just thank You for those this morning who have responded, those this morning who said yes to You. I thank You, Jesus, that a new work has begun. And Lord, I thank You that because of Your great love, Jesus, they, God, are gonna go on the most exciting journey of becoming like You and becoming fully themselves. And we just pray Your blessing over them. In Jesus' mighty Name, Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.